Hey, this is Russ Braun, uh, artist of Six Pack and Dog Welder. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Oh, I missed that. <laughs> That's the sound of my Wednesday. Well, it's the truth. I missed you both, to varying degrees. But, I, I mean... <laughs> I did. I missed you. I did not read a single comment. That truly baffles me. On vacation. I just read the, the prose. No comments. Wow. Yep. I would yeah. never guess that. That be a good feeling. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it's it's like every everybody needs a little time away. Yeah. I, I heard them say. So, it happens. It was yes. fun. It was fun. But now nice. I, I, I doubled up and I read some good stuff. And, and here we is. No hostage crisis? No. <laughs> you was missed. We all, well, I missed you guys. It's just Worked not the same. It's not the same. Wednesdays and, and even the weeks when we double up, those are great weeks. I mean, you just, yeah. when it's not there, it's, it, it feels like there's a, a huge gaping hole in my chest. Mm, gape. You love the gape. I do. I do. And uh, you'll love it because this, my friends, is 11 O'Clock Comics 558. And I'm Vince B. Oh. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. It's true. I checked your credentials on the way in. You are. And I, of course, am Inspector Lestrade. Ooh. <laughs> nice, but you're not. Nice. You're, you're not. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Three are one once again. But I heard uh, the last episode was very well received. Caleb did a great job. Caleb was a fantastic guest. Nice. And, and yeah, right. I, I think he will he will come back when there could be a a foursome having a conversation. Uh, <laughs> it was good stuff. It's dirty. But he's no stranger to podcasting, so very true. You know. It's not like he got some rube off the street to to sit nah. in. You got somebody who's seasoned in the art of elocution. Digital elocution. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know who's not a rube off the street and knows their game? Uh, don't all answer at once. It's discount comic book service. Oh, oh you that's right. I had my hand raised. You didn't call on me. Well, I couldn't see you because it is audio. Oh, uh, DCBService.com. One more time. DCBService.com. Where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a mere fraction of the retail price. The specials are three, and they are wonderful. From Viz, it's Junji Ito oh, mm-hmm. doing up the Frankenstein. Junji Ito meets Mary Shelley, the master of horror manga, bends all his skill into bringing the anguished and solitary monster and the fouler beast who created him to life with the brilliantly detailed chiaroscuro he is known for. It is a hardcover. It is thick. And it is twenty two ninety nine. But wait, mm-hmm. you know where you are. Your discount comic book service. You're only going to pay eleven dollars and forty nine cents. That's half off. From Boom, it's another one of my all time favorites. 
Alejandro Yudorowski is teaming up with Jose Ledron to give you the Sons of El Topo original graphic novel, volume one, subtitled Kane. It is a $20 hardcover, but it's oversized, but it's a $20 hardcover. But because you are smart and you know where to go, you're going to pay $9.99 at this oh, yeah. book service. And last but not least, this one is a selfish little thing that I threw in here because I love this franchise so much uh, from Dynamite. It is the Mars Attacks, taking another stab at it this time at Dynamite. Previously, it was IDW. Uh, Mars Attacks number one, written by Kyle Starks, art by Chris Schweitzer. There's a an animated uh, cartoony feel to this, which I think fits the property very well. Cover artist, well, among others, Tom Mandrake is doing a cover. So you can pay $3.99 at your, your local LCS, which is redundant because I said local twice, or you can go to Discount Comic Book Service and pay $1.99. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions in. You get your books right where you want them, on your doorstep, ding dong. It's a fun afternoon. There you go. I'm done. Finished. Exemplary job, sir. Whatever. How you doing? What's good, Jason Wood? What's good? Uh, it's good. Football season's almost upon us. That's good. My uh, my my hec- my hectic month will be over and start enjoying the sport. How soon? Uh, uh, two weeks. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Jesus! <laughs> mm-hmm. You are a glutton for punishment. Yes, you have. Yes, sir. You're resilient. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Plus, I got to keep the pipes nice and lubricated because the uh, the play-by-play starts this coming Friday. Oh, I thought you were talking about after we were done recording. Uh, no, that's well, I am that too. It was a subtle, it was a double entendre, uh, or during. I mean, I'm not going to take that away from you if that's what but you, you know. The do. best way to keep your pipes lubricated: drank. Get you drank on. So, what are you drinking? Tequila? No, I had more than enough of that on holiday. Um, I am holiday. drinking. Oh, my God, not Madonna. (laughs) You know, I love Jay Gonzo, but his infatuation with Madonna just freaks me out. Freaks me out. I don't think she's all that, but whatever. Um, From Frontera, the award-winning wine, I am drinking the Cabernet Sauvignon from 2017. So it's been aged to perfection. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Concha y Toro. (laughs) Yay! There you go. I guess you're just going to wait for us to tell you what we're drinking, uh, Vince. Vince is rusty, everybody. I'm rusty. What are I just you drinking, Jason. Wow, I wasn't the one asking. Dap, I am drinking carnivore. Ooh! Yes! What do you think? It's delicious! Nice! Carnivore Cabernet Sauvignon 2015. Uh, it's, yeah, it's delicious. Wow. Uh, is this what you brought me? Am I drinking yours? You may be. I don't know. It's, yeah, but I mean, it was already open, so Beth's already had some, but she's not here okay. right now. But, oh, uh, all right. I'll find right. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, How about you? Yours, yours is from when? 2013? 15. 15. Okay, so we're the same year. I am um, – this is something new. I picked it up this evening. Um from uh, Goose Ridge Vineyards. This is G3 Cabernet Sauvignon from Columbia Valley. Uh, 
the G3 stands for three generations of family winemaking. And um, yeah, I have never had it before. I never even saw the label before. Very minimalist. Um, nice nose. Nice, nice bouquet. Did, oh, Very nice. nice bouquet. Nice. Oh. Excellent. Oh, this is nice. Oh. This, may make, this may make the rotation. Oh. You heard it here first, everybody. Good job, Goose Ridge. Hmm. Or a nice. G3 could be, you know, the Joe Satriani joint. But it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not. Mm. I have a thank you. I bet you do. Yeah. I bet you do. This I got a care package from Mr. Clay Stroff, and he sent me pretty much everything in the world that I love in one little envelope. Well, that wasn't a little envelope. It was an envelope, but it it was jam-packed with with stuff that that I just love. Um, Mm -hmm. And Dap loves, too, because you got your amazing heroes, (sighs) number 11, and number... So the big magazine, though, not yeah. the smallest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Number 11 yeah. with the horror issue, Gene Colan cover. Mm-hmm. Number 9 with the Captain Carrot issue with the Scott Shaw cover. I don't know if I have that. He sent me Monster number 13, which I will re-gift because I already has it. Uh, he sent me Heavy Metal from... Oh, uh, nice. These mm-hmm. are the 80s Heavy Metal. So they're yeah, good. same same with me. Yep. So they're good. They're good. Yes, Yes. Um and the, actually he did send me the um the HR Giger uh heavy uh, metal from June 1980. Wow. I got uh a Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose, which I already had. Um Angel and the Ape had that, so those are going to go out to some patrons. He did me a a beautiful little drawing of the man thing. Everybody knows I love the man thing. What's up with that? Got some Richard Corbin in here from Heavy Metal. We got a Planet of the Apes, the Marvel Magazine, number 26. And certainly, not least, Shogun Warriors, number 10. Drawn by Herb Trimpey. Inked yep. by Steve Mitchell. Yeah, Herb. Written by Doug Munch. So, um, Mr. Strav, I have to thank you for just dropping a whole bunch of love on me. That's awesome. It's the way we do. That is how we do. Yeah. Couple quick announcements. Woo-hoo. Uh Vince just got back from vacation. David is uh hopefully, fingers crossed, in the midst of moving. Um I'm in the midst of uh football guys busy season. Point being, not making excuses, but it did want to update everyone that uh our our faithful patrons that may be listening. Uh we do owe many of you care packages. Some of them have been sent out. Many of them have not quite yet been sent out, but are soon to be. But uh, we will keep you apprised. And, uh, again, we just want you to know we haven't forgotten about you. They're coming very shortly. And uh, we'll always try and put a little extra something-something in if they're a little bit late to uh, offset that. So uh, kudos on that. And then just wanted to mention, because you guys might not even notice it yet, dude, we're like six weeks away from New York Comic Con. I know, right? I was thinking that today. Yeah, it's crazy. So we'll be we'll be talking a little bit more about it once we get our bearings. But uh, pretty much everything's set. The the everyone that's got tickets, it's getting tickets has them. Everyone that's getting comped has been comped. Everybody that's got an artist alley table has an artist alley table. Booths have been bought. So it's it's pretty much what it's going to be. It is, and uh, we'll start parsing through that and figuring out our own game plan. I know a lot of folks are going to be there, including some first timers like Mr. Escada and his kids. 
So, I mean, the three of us haven't talked off air yet, but I think we'll definitely try and make one of the nights where we'll set up shop at one of the local watering holes in the city. And uh, that way we can hopefully have everybody um, meet up there and have a little impromptu EOC get together because uh, it's a good chance we'll run into each other. But it's amazing how every year at New York, when we're done with New York, we realize how many people were there that we just never saw. So we'll try and make sure there's at least one spot for a few hours where everybody can definitely see each other. Now, you just scared me a little bit when you said about everybody that had been comped has got comped. Did you get your badge or something yet that I don't know about? We all, we're, that's, that was taken care of a long time ago, my friend. But no, nothing has been received. That's what I mean. No, you didn't get anything in the mail nothing, yet. No, 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 no. Okay, good, no. good. Oof, I was a little scared. I was no, scared. We're gooch, though. We're gooch. We are gooch. So, Dap, you, you sounded like you had a thank you of your own. Did, did you? No, 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 no. Um, I was just basically uh, mentally checking off the things that that Clayton had sent me. That, oh, um, okay. Very, very similar to um, to what you received as well. Different issues of the same magazine, things like that. But nice, uh, yeah, good stuff. But I, unfortunately, though, I I went to go look for some of the stuff, but some of it I had already started. Um, I have some magazines that are already boxed up and his were included with um all of my um amazing heroes magazine size issues so yeah I, I i had them off to the side for the longest time and and unfortunately now that you finally got yours and 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 thanked him um minor sitting there under the window all boxed up sorry nice uh groans up you mean i was <laughs> i was entering that that uh, shogun warriors into my recently re-upped CLZ comic collector. I, I upped it again for another year. And um, I'm ashamed that I don't have a full run of Shogun Warriors. That's surprising. I'm ashamed. So I got to get on that in New York City. Hmm. Never been reprinted. Never will be reprinted. Like, a, like a, well, oh, Godzilla. The rights? Yeah, Godzilla was reprinted in mm-hmm. essential format, but. I, I doubt we'll ever see that. Uh, well, maybe, but the Shogun Warriors—that's a sticky wicket. There, there was too many mm-hmm. different, too many hands in the in the in the pot there. So I would like Rom. I, I would doubt we'll ever see um, that reprinted. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I shouldn't say that about Rom because the way things are going now with IDW and Marvel, you never know. You never know. It's true. You do. You never know. So. Let's talk about these comics here, unless you all have something you want to get into. No, I think we should talk about the comics. I'm sure a good 83% of our audience didn't even listen last week because you weren't on. So I'm sure everybody is waiting with bated breath to hear what you've been reading, although you preempted everybody by saying you didn't read a goddamn thing. I didn't on vacation, but I did for the show. What do you think? I'm unprofessional? What is this about? I have a lot of stuff. Um, This was recommended to me from someone I uh, by someone that I trust implicitly. And he's my brother, Dap. He's like, did you read that? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, you should read that. And I'm like, okay, I guess I got to read that. So I went on vacation, and the first thing I read when I came back was this, because I want to talk to him. Uh, and I, Jason, I believe you read this too, The New World, number no. one. You didn't? No. Nope. Okay. Uh, the New World. I'm an Elishkot fan myself, so. 
But see, this is where, yeah, this is yeah. not yeah. the Grant Morrison staring into the the bathroom mirror. I'm so clever, mm-hmm. Alesh Coat. This is I'm going to actually tell a story that can be enjoyed, Alesh Coat, like Dennis Miller when he did that the football thing, and he got flack for his his jokes were a little bit too highbrow for the audience. I believe <laughs> that Alesh Coat, it's there. There are still bits of esoteric stuff in there but it's not blatant and it doesn't impede the enjoyment of the story right that mm-hmm. yes i agreed completely okay so it was written by alesh coat illustrated by the disgustingly talented i want to suck every bit of talent out of his brain and into my body tread more uh color art by heather moore this is awesome another husband and wife uh comic book team like laura and michael allred and published by Image Comics. There's a bit of work that needs to be done before you get into this, right, Dap? Um, yeah. There's a backstory. Well, Chewy. Yeah, yeah, but it's but because of the way uh, Trad presents it, it it's not. Um, I don't want to say a turnoff, but there's not there's no really heavy lifting. It's, no, it's, it's like it's presented in a way that's very easy to 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 digest. Right. It's have you ever been turned off by a map in the beginning of, of a fantasy novel? I think not. Right. That's the brand of quality to me. If I open up a fantasy novel and I see a map, um, I know I'm in good hands. Right. So this is not unlike that in in the all right the the backstory in uh, on april 15th 2037 there was um five american cities that were pre- uh, dumped on by nuclear bombs and no one stepped up to take the credit we didn't have a country there wasn't a a, a militant faction or a, a terrorist group nobody took took um responsibility for this thing and so chaos went uh, chaos reigned and the country was destabilized to put it mildly and the united states eventually sagged into a civil war and the the country is is chopped up into five sections you have um new california no man's land uh the union of federations which are the southern states in red of course uh, and the United States of East America, so four chunks. And um, a wall was built between the the red southern states and, and everybody else. So they got their wall, yay. And um, <laughs> you have multiple foreign countries under the guise of humanitarian aid or, you know, um, just trying to make things bearable in the country. They come in, but they establish presences on American soil. And that's not good. Um, like I said, you had a civil war. The wall was built. Uh, long story short, New California adhered to the principles of democracy and the Constitution, and they come out looking good. They're blue, by the way. Um, but you have uh, a show, a television show, which is not just domestic. I mean, it's syndicated all over the, the planet. And um, it's called The Guardians. It's kind of like Roller, uh, not Rollerball, Death Race 2000, 
where you know you had this this uh, televised uh, contest where the the uh, the goal was to eliminate the highest number of of people. Where in this, it's it's more like a cops gone horribly horribly wrong in in which costumed high powered I don't want to say superhuman because we're not sure of that yet. Where the these characters may be augmented only by their their armor or their body suits, but they but they do have they're, they're more than human. Let's just put that when they're in the suits, and they're sent out and they're they're tasked to bring in these perps live on television, and once they corral the perps, the audience gets to vote on whether this perpetrator should be apprehended or eliminated, erased as they put it. And um, one of the stars of The Guardians is a woman named Stella Maris. Mm. Yes. And this thing is called The Most Important Show in America because it's justice, damn it. And um, there's a lot going on with Stella. Stella's parents died trying to flee the country after the wall was built. I see uh, Stella's father had uh, had some hand in this wall being built and and he's they're trying to leave the 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 country and they're recognized and bang 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 and stella's stella's orphaned um but grandpa is the president stella's grandfather is president herod Uh, i think that's a very apt name for this character um so she 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 enters this this show this this arena and she has an assistant named jim who is the pewter to stella's deathlock like he he watches her surroundings he tells her you know when when shit's going down he's basically her overseer he can see things that she can't so he directs her and, and you know if there's somebody creeping up on her he'll know it he he you know he's her her eyes and ears where she can't have them and um she enters this thing and she pulls in the perp and the audience votes to kill him but stella won't kill she's i guess like batman in that respect she has never killed she she always uh opts to apprehend and grandpa doesn't like that grandpa wants her to follow the uh the dictates of the viewers but she won't do it um in another little plot thread, you have a, uh, a man named Loki Lahar, which is not his real name, but for now it is. And he's a straight-edge tech wizard, and he, he is brought into the home base of this Guardians television show and um, under the guise of seeking employment, but he built them. He, uh, he disables their feed, and, and shit goes down. And this this guy's name is is not uh, Loki Lahar. It's cool that he was named Loki in this situation, but um, his name is Kirby Shikaku Miyazaki. So you got two references in there, and um, he's uh, he's uh, not an anarchist. At least he doesn't call himself that. But he's I guess the freedom fighter in this scenario, and he uh, he realizes the the bad that this show is uh, perpetrating and. Uh, he brought him down but um on a little bit of downtime stella hits a rave and she imbibes in substances and wouldn't you know it kirby attends the same rave 
<laughs> and and their eyes lock across the the crowds of dancing people and there's there's feelings and there's emotions and they hook up and they suck face and they have sweaty sex and um it's it's all good until the uh, next day see jim was watching the whole thing so i guess uh stella's tech is with her even on downtime but she what she thinks she can turn off or um or disable he uh right but yeah her, her 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 tech guy is like uh it's kind of creepy because he saw them like like bumping uglies and he yeah she he says uh she took the bus self-satisfied with using a temporary anti-detection transmitter right why she still thinks those things work is beyond me so she she's doing all this thinking that you know she's not going to um get caught obviously but so so i mean this is the one tiny little thing that i take issue with in in the narrative that Jim is savvy enough to circumvent these precautions that she's taken, but he doesn't know when someone enters his office with, a, with an EMP. In, in essence, an EMP to bring down the, the, the feed. You know what I mean? Like, don't you think that there would be a level of technology with which he was familiar where he would, they would have something set up where somebody could, couldn't bring something like that into their very offices and, put the kibosh on the whole operation it, and it was a handheld thing too like how powerful could it have been but it brought it, it brought everything down well it i don't i don't yes it, it, it definitely it makes sense to uh give someone pause there is um yeah, he he did the manual pat down to get yeah. into the place. He had loaded with that, and he a didn't A ton dump. of fucking pouches. It's like he was designed by Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> and, and you have, I mean, it could, I don't know if this guy is so tied into the system itself, or if he is just there to, he's just focused on Maris, obviously. And, right. and so he, he's got Stella's back. It's after the fact that he was and and he um he does some investigating but it could also um be that he may be in on it he may be part of the mm. call it, resistance this is true i didn't think of that look at you now, i'm just playing devil's advocate I'm, i mean i cuz i would hate for something for something that's laid out like this and for for it to for for that to be the the, the most glaring flaw in all of it because it, it it's I you know I definitely get where Jason's coming from because I was I wasn't the biggest fan of Zero but I am kind of enjoying Days of Hate and there are there definitely you know and I I, I kind of dug. Drop dead, the valiant mini, and and or dead drop, and yeah. there, there was um, there so so you know I can take him or leave him, but once um, I don't know what really possessed me to kind of flip through the the review copy we got from Image because I I still haven't read Luther Strode, so 
aside from some Ghost Rider, there, there is a huge hole in my in my Tradmore collection. So um, I flipped through the the PDF of this, and and I was just blown away. And then I started to read it, and I was like, this does not sound like Cot at all. No, so, it's, it's almost conversational. You yeah. know, it's it's like I don't want to call it low it's key. So, it's more comic booky than anything else he's done. Yeah, but and that's not a slight. That's not. A, I mean, I don't mean that in, in any sort of. But like you said, he's he's not as as uh, as highbrow or nose in the air as he is with his other work. Right, right. It just seems. And and I always go back to Morrison because I think Morrison is very guilty of this, where he's enamored with his own wizardry. Mm-hmm. Like, look at me. Uh, I, 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 dr- I dumped like 12 references that maybe 30% of the readership is going to get on one page. You know, like it, it's just trying to infuse the work with stuff that, yeah, if you're in the know, you are clever. And it is does make the work richer. But it, it seems like there's a preoccupation with filling the work with those kind of asides that really don't matter to the story. In in a lot of cases, they don't. They're just like, oh, that's kind of cool. I get it. But in this, there's really there's no asides like that. There's no um, there's no need to research pr- pretty much anything in this issue. Mm-hmm. Where you couldn't say that about zero. I mean, there were right. things in zero where you had to go digging. And I love zero. I think it's great. But you know, the the combination of the narrative of that clicked with me and the the esoteric nature of a lot of the concepts in there, I'm down with it. Just like I'm down with Morrison. Like, I, I love Invisibles, but Invisibles takes a lot of work to read. Truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this... And I, I think Zero also benefited from the uh, anthology aspect of different artists on uh, kind of like Global Frequency. Right. And and um, each issue has kind of has a little bit of a different look. And as I'm flipping through this, you know, throwing out other theories, uh, it could just be that Kirby is a slightly better hacker than Homeboy is a uh, attack. Yes. Hmm. Well, we'll so. see, right? Um, yes. So here's here's the rub, though, because Stella won't kill, and Grandpa knows that she was with uh, what he considers, I guess, public enemy number one now for bringing down the most important show in America. Grandpa concocts a plan where the number one new guardian, or not new guardian, number, the number one, uh, let's call them cops because we don't know what to call them yet. Um, number one person on the guardians is a, a man called Logan Maximus who has no reservations against killing. And it is... Uh, brutally illustrated on a full page splash where he just plunges through a perp hmm. like he just right through the guy's midsection i mean and it's it's beautifully drawn it's very and that's the one thing about the issue to say that trad moore is a great illustrator it's kind of redundant like we all know that by now right but he is an equally formidable designer oh yes there's there's nothing no space on the page wasted. His his negative space is there for a reason. He is he's really sharp. And and that's the one thing that the takeaway from this issue for me was that Tradmore can design as well as illustrate. And his his skills are jaw dropping. Especially on the page where 
Stella and Kirby at the rave. That page is mm. phenomenal. Just yeah. the way it flows and the interaction between the panels. And he paints a complete picture in, in one page of everything that went on there. And and it, it's not all clustered in one spot. It's There's there's air. Your, your eye flows. It's just a great page, you know. And I, I was mesmerized by the art to, to the point where I had to go back and read some of the story because yes. I was like, wait, what did I miss? Um so Grandpa concocts a plan. He's like, okay, she won't kill? Well, I'm going to team her up with someone who will. So Tag on, team back uh, again. Yeah. On the next mission, Stella is teaming up with Logan Maximus, and the perpetrator is none other than, no surprise to anyone who's been paying attention, um, Kirby Miyazaki. Dun, dun, dun. And they, they, both have an, they both have an oh, fuck moment because uh, – when Stella sees Kirby's picture, she's like, oh. And when Kirby sees the, the televised thing, you know, that he's the next one and who the the guardian is, he's like, oh, shit. So it's going down next issue. Um, this first issue was an oversized issue, which I thought was super smart. Yes. They, it's essentially two issues in one, right? Maybe even more. Because the standard issue is 22, 23 yeah. pages. Yes. Yeah, so this, this was is, like yeah, 60, right? Was, yeah. I have nothing yeah, but cover to cover. This was yeah, this was almost sixty pages. Nothing but good things to say about this issue. Uh Heather's a great colorist. She doesn't need to employ the razzle dazzle uh available to anyone uh utilizing Photoshop. She's happy with flat colors and God bless her for doing it. I love flat colors. And the majority of, of the tones in this issue are flat and it looks phenomenal. Yeah. This is a, a complete winner. Indeed. Yep. Is Daft capable of recommending a non-winner? Yes. Uh, nah, son. I don't know. I, I, oh, I, damn. No, I'm not saying that he's fallible, but I mean everybody. <laughs> everybody is right. Uh, well, I mean, it's I. I should quit while I'm ahead. Between Mm-mm. this one and last week's crowded. Um. Man, yeah, Crowder was so goddamn dope. It was so. I'm still thinking about that fucking. Book. I'm, I'm, I'm craving that next one. You know, Jesus. I read it after I'm like Biggie and popcorn. Like, where that, where that issue number two at? <laughs> when, yeah, Vince. when I saw you used it as the, uh, the iTunes art and the, the, uh, the, the, sorry, the Facebook art mm-hmm. for, for this, for that episode. Right. I said, all right. I guess I got to read this, but I got to be honest. The cover. Turned me completely off. The cover is not good. The her, cover is not exp- indicative of of the interior. Exactly, at all. exactly. Her I, expression on the cover completely. It was saltpeter for me. It was. It was, and it's practically a one yeah, from, because with the whole selfie kind of thing. Yes, yep. I get it. You know, yep. she's she's very social media savvy, but for mm-hmm. her to do a selfie like that while you know she's in the auto mag, covering, ducking for cover, and and she's um. She she she's almost airheaded on the cover, whereas she definitely is not in the story. So I, I definitely agree with you that I was not, but I didn't want to. Um, I didn't really want to give anything away by using an interior um, image for the uh, an, an interior page for for the featured image. But um, since, and I got I, the, go ahead the co- the cover image is nowhere near the level of accomplishment for the art inside. 
I think I think the interior right. art is, is far better than the cover. Agreed. Yeah, poor choice. But once I got into it, I'm like, yeah, okay, right. I, I I can see why they went deep on this. It's it's really great. Oh, so good. Yep. Oh, I'm glad you like. Yep. So there you go. New world nice. number one. Nice. What you got? Who are you asking me? Yeah. He's asking. Well, I got something. It's been, you know, it's it, so far it's been a banner year to me for uh, OGNs. It's been a bunch of weeks in a row I seem to be talking about an OGN. And this week is no exception. And this is something that I think will... I don't think either of you have read it, but I think that you both should because I think it's directly in each of her wheelhouses if those wheelhouses were mashed up into one beautifully motley thing. Hmm. Yeah. Do tell. So uh, this is a study in Emerald. Oh, I which, have it right next to me. I have not read it yet. Oh, nice. So so a little background. A study in Emerald. It's uh, an OGN. Well, it's not an Yeah, it is an OGN. I guess we'll yes. call it that. Uh, by Dark Horse as part of the Neil Gaiman uh, library, which he's got a partnership with them now where he's putting out adaptations of stuff that he's done. Um, and it's, it's it's written by Neil Gaiman, OG, legend, with art by Raphael Albuquerque. Oof. So this was a no-brainer for me to pre-order. Um, and it is a mashup of, you might some of you might have guessed by the name, A Study in Emerald is a play off of the first Sherlock Holmes story, A Study in Scarlet. And this is a mashup of the world of Sherlock Holmes with the world of H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu mythos. Stop! Yes. Back up. Yes, and I should mention, too, by way of background, that um, this is an adaptation of a short story that Gaiman wrote back in 2004 that won the Hugo Award, which is the literary award for science fiction. He won the best short story back then for this uh, this novella that was syndicated in a... Um, actually, 2003, I'm sorry. He won the award in, in 2004. It was published in 2003 in a, um, a series called The Shadows Over Baker Street. And... Uh, yeah, so then I guess... So basically, he's adapting his own work to comics, which, of course, he's probably the perfect person on the earth to, to do that. Um, but uh, if you're familiar with the study in Scarlet, the, um, the, the book takes, takes from that in the sense that, um, that uh, since this was the first Sherlock Holmes story, this book also gives us the, uh, the obligatory meetup of, uh, Watson and Holmes, where Watson is a doctor who was crippled in a war in Afghanistan, and he is back in London trying to find his way. He uh, is down in his dumps. He suffered from depression because of the fact that he's no longer physically uh, able, and he meets up with Holmes, and of course, Holmes is this super quirky dude, and he's looking for a roommate, and they become roommates at Baker Street, and, and the rest is history. We We get that same story here. But what's cool is that um, Watson was um, injured because he was touched by Cthulhu. <laughs> he chased some enemies into a cave in Afghanistan, and inside the cave was this murky pool of water, mm -hmm. and out rose Cthulhu. And before he could escape, Cthulhu touched him, and his arm got shriveled up and died. So, Was it a big cave? Uh, 
Big cave. Okay. Well, it was big inside once he got in. It was right. huge. It's a Tarkus um, cave. Pretty much. All right. So uh, this borrows from the Holmes story where they get to know each other. It's He's not quite sure what Holmes does because these people come and go from the apartment all the time and he's never asked to participate. Uh, and then finally Lestrade shows up one day and it's different. Holmes asks him to stay and because it's a, a special case – and they're led to a room where a member of the royal family was killed. But when they walk into the room and they're talking about a member of the royal family being killed, what's odd is that the room is covered in green gore, not red. And it becomes clear that this isn't just a case of Holmes as if he discovered an alien. This is a case of a world where the dark gods are just a part of the world. So they're not surprised by the green blood. As it turns out, most royals throughout the world are either dark gods or offspring hybrids of dark gods. Makes sense. Yep. And we, we come to learn, they give us little little interstitial histories where um, they give us a long list of different um, uh, Cthulhu, uh, I don't know if you call them deities, Vince, or, 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 or gods or beings, but... They kind of list them, and you know this one's running Russia, and this one is ruler of all of China, and, um, and, and including Queen Victoria is this disgusting tentacled dark beast, um, and she's been the ruler of England for seven hundred years, and it's just the way it is. And Holmes Holmes does does her bidding at times to pay the bills, and because he's conscripted to her, and and it's just this fascinating mashup. So it's what I loved about it is it's not as though what if Sherlock Holmes was presented with Cthulhu. It's a world where the dark gods are just completely intertwined in their existence, always been that way. So it's that's not the that's not the odd part of this. It's still just a murder mystery. Like the fact that it's a a, a dark god that was killed is, is irrelevant. Like that's not the shocking part, if you know what I mean. Right. Um, and if those of you that have read the story or, or Conan Doyle fans. Uh, much like in A Study in Scarlet, there's a, a, a word Raish, R-A-C-H-E, written on the wall. And Lestrade, being the, the dolt that he is, assumes that uh, that the, the person was trying to write Rachel and just died before they got a chance to. And again, if you've read the story, you know that Raish is actually a German word for revenge. And it's much more about that. And um, as Gaiman can only do, we get a pitch-perfect Holmes and Watson. Boo, you will love this. It's Holmes is a total badass. He does the Holmesian thing where he, he does his very petulant, dismissive descriptions of why he knows what he knows and how it's really not a big deal at all. And the rest of you are idiots for not noticing the things that he notices. Um, Watson is awesome. You know, it's it's uh, he's 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 more of the he's not the um, he's not like the BBC version. Mm-hmm. He's more of the older curmudgeonly version. That right. probably was more classic of, of like the Basil Rathbone stuff, um, but perfectly on point for that. If I mean from that kind of vantage, and it's a great murder mystery, and it's much different than the, than the Study in Scarlet. There are homages to it, like the theater director has got the same name as he had in a Study in Scarlet, uh, Sherry Sherry Vernay, uh, and there's the different characters have similar names, but but the the whys and wherefores of who killed uh, the the dark god and why and uh the motivations are all much different and it's all pitch perfect it's pitch perfect it pays absolute perfect homage to both worlds in a way that few could do i mean i think alan moore Moore could have 
pull this off. Morrison in his calmer moments probably could have, and certainly Gaiman. Uh, I can't think of too many others that I would that I would have thought could have paid both e- equal equal tribute in in such a way. And look, I, I'm an absolute huge um, um, Albuquerque fan, as you guys know, and it's always great to see him do his thing. He clearly was motivated in this, and I say that because there have been a few things in recent years where I think. Raphael, like many people, has taken a check, and it looked good, but it hasn't looked like, say, American Vampire looked. This is that American Vampire level. This is him being passionate about what he's doing, and it's an absolute grand slam. It's it's if you're a Holmes fan, this is amazing comics. It's perfect for that. I uh, I know much less about the Cthulhu Lovecraft world than Vince. Needless to say, I have dabbled in it a bit in the last ten years because of Vince's love for it. So I'm not a complete noob to it. So a lot of the allusions and nods and and mentions, uh, I caught them. So I, I can say definitively though that I'm I'm not an acolyte enough to say that you can't enjoy this if you're not into Lovecraft. As long as you have some basic idea that Cthulhu is a dark god and and that they exist, that's all you really need for this. But if you are more into the lore, there's lots of Easter eggs and payoffs. So. Yeah, this is a, an absolute grand slam, and I think each of us will get something different out of this book, but be giddy for it. I think Dap's got, got that well-known love for, for Holmes, um, you know, as much if not more than me. Boo, you know, Vince, you love, obviously, uh, the, the, the Cthulhu and the Lovecraft, and, uh, and, and then I got the Albuquerque. So it, it's, it's a must-have. I really do think that. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not that big either. It's, um, it's I should look at the page count, but it's, it's maybe... Uh, there's no page numbers. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a thick it, book. It's like 80, 90 pages maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, because it's it's a it's a short story that it's adapted from. And that's, um, this is this is the there is a there's a book uh, called Fragile Things. It's a it's a collection. Yeah, the story's of, in that. Right. Yeah. And so is how to talk to girls at parties. And I've had this right. yeah. mm-hmm. for, I don't know how many years I've never read either pro story. And now I have both adaptations, but once yeah. I finish monstrous for next week, I will read a, uh, a study in Emerald and then I'll finally get around to reading the pros books. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It, it it's, it's been, a, I've been meaning to read it for a couple weeks since it came. And um, I, I had no doubt I would, I would enjoy it, but uh, it was an absolute, home run. And I also should say, I, I'm not the most well-versed Gaiman fan. I, I I hadn't read American Gods, the book, until, what, maybe a year ago, two years ago, when I finally read it. Right. Um, I hadn't I hadn't ever read Sandman. Um, so, other than some of his novellas that have been turned into comics, I, I'm not a, a Gaiman acolyte, per se, either. And uh, But it's not because I dislike him. I just, I haven't, just haven't check that box off of my to-do list as a a literary to-do list. But, but yeah, this is, this just, it's like all of the concentric circles of Austin is colliding into one. And, um, you know, the, how to talk to, to girls that I, I enjoyed that, but I didn't love it. Like I didn't love the underlying story that much. I thought it looked great because of, uh, of Ba or was it, was it, was it Ba or his brother? Moon and Ba or just, yeah, but, yeah, but, but, but this not only looked amazing, but I, I, I loved the story. I mean, it's Holmes. Yeah, you, if good if you do Holmes good, it's I'm gonna love it, and this is good Holmes. Yeah. So, nice. you know, on the Albuquerque tip, mm-hmm. um, 
as Scotty can tell you, when Neil Gaiman comes knocking on your door, you step up. You know, so maybe it was the on the on the the excitement on working with him alone that that re-energized Albuquerque. Because you're right, uh, aside from American Vampire, like there was a stretch there where Albuquerque was good, but it wasn't like it wasn't salivatingly good. You know, like American Vampire was. But so now I'm I'm very interested to see this. So yeah, but and and again, as far as Gaiman goes, I, I I'm not. Uh, ashamed to admit that I gave him some crap over the years, <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, he's certainly a more versatile writer than, say, Morrison, and and sure. I, I would say more versatile than Alan Moore too, because um, Neil Gaiman never wrote an, uh, like a, a thousand-page book that was almost unable to. You, you can't crack it. You know what I mean? That's is that the sign of a good writer? I don't know. It's, is it the sign of someone who likes to masturbate with words? Maybe I don't know. But everything that I've read from Neil Gaiman, both prose and um, in in comic form, uh, there was no there were no roadblocks, no 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 speed bumps. Right. You, you just sagged into it, and it, it, there was a level of comfortability in there, and and he dazzled you with. His his world wordplay and the narrative and the the character interactions and it wasn't cumbersome, whereas Jerusalem, uh, Alan Moore's a great writer, but I can't say that Jerusalem's a great work because it's 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 ponderous, as Casey Kasem would say. I mean, it's just it's impenetrable. Right. Yeah. So I guess you could say the same thing about Burroughs, whom I love. So. You know, maybe, maybe the joke's on me. No, nah, I, I can't co <laughs> I mean, I'll co-sign with you on Loving Burroughs. I can't co-sign on it. <laughs> uh, he can't share his your feelings on Burroughs. I, I think he's the the greatest writer that ever was. Wow. William, William Burroughs, yeah. By far the greatest writer. I mean, at least I'll, I'll narrow it down. I'll t- tune down the hyperbole. No doubt the greatest science fiction writer ever. But I just think the way he he manipulated words was second to none. There's nobody as good as as Burroughs, but it's not easy reads. You know, it, it, it takes a lot of commitment. So is he a great writer? I don't know. I mean, for me, he is. But your mileage, as they say, may vary. We have a question from one of our awesome patrons, which I just solicited. Oh, damn! That's right. I'm doing my homework, bitches. Look at you. Uh, from Kevin Quas, and energized Vince. I am. Kevin Quas asks us, what is a comic cover that made an impression on you when you were a young kid? For example, you can still remember where and when you saw it in a store and the feeling you had. You guys want to answer first? Go ahead. You got one? See, there's a problem with me in this question because I have a, a visual memory. I, I don't. Issue numbers are irrelevant to me. I remember whether or not I have a comic based on the cover. Um, I can tell you, I, I can't rattle off what issue number is, is what in a, in a string, but I know just by the cover whether I have the book or not. And so my right. memory my memory is based on, 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 on art, I mean, on, on visual stimulus. Right. So, but I can tell you where and when I was when I bought Amazing Spider-Man 135, mm-hmm. probably my one of my all-time favorite covers, bar none. I can and and it's mostly Marvel. Yeah, um, 
Planet of the Apes, number one, like the first ten Planet of the Apes, um, the the fear, and then which segged into Man Thing and Howard the Duck. Like I remember everything about buying those issues. The cover is like the 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 door that opens all those memories for me. Like I I I, I just know. I just remember, and it's all because of the cover. The cover's the trigger. A lot, a lot of issues of the Hulk I can do that with. Not so much for DC because I came into DC later. It's mostly Marvel. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think with DC, there were a lot of covers, especially depending on the era, like the Bronze Age Superman stuff. Some of those covers would could just be a panel from one of the two stories inside the book, but they wouldn't... There weren't any... Um, there may have been some iconic covers like like the Neil Adams one where he's breaking the chain, which is of course is the story about no more kryptonite. And uh, there are our DC Comics presents where where Superman the, the first issue where he's kind of like lurching towards the Flash who's being sucked away by the alien. Right. Uh, there are you know in some of those like I, I definitely remember covers and like you, but I there are some where. I've kind of gone back to figure out. I yes, I can look at a cover and know whether or not I have that in my collection. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if uh, if you ask me if I have um, the Roger Stern Tom Lyle Starman issue number twenty eight, I don't know. But if it's that issue that's written by Peter David and drawn by Jason Pearson uh, with a um, Ken recover yeah that i know i i have that issue i wouldn't be able to tell you what issue number it is but i can definitely tell you i have that issue based on the information you give me on the insides or the cover but uh, um yeah i may I, I may break the mold so i want to hear what or i may break the streak i, I want to hear what if jason has one or what what jason's is well i mean i do but but much like vince it i, I remember being young and becoming a collector, meaning transitioning from buying random comics every time we went to the store and they had them to discovering that there was a comic shop near me and going there and starting a pull list. And I remember walking in and the magic of all the new comics each week. And, um, you know, given, given my age, that sweet spot of that 84 to 86 window. Uh, I mean, a lot of the covers were, were things like, I, I just, I vividly remember being fascinated by the Simonson covers you know, Frog Thor, which was what, like 366, and the Beta Ray Bill cover and the Curse cover, and and those drew me into reading Thor. And um, similarly, uh, you know, the the it's going to sound corny to some people, but like that, like cover to X Factor number one, I remember that because it was like mm-hmm. the first number one issue that I cared about. Mm-hmm. Because back then, again, we didn't really have a lot of number ones, and I was ju- I was just jumping into all of these Marvel books reading them and then buying back issues to try and catch up on the stories. And then suddenly there was this new number one of this, of this group of characters that I had come to love over the last two, you know, two or three years. And, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of iconic covers, um, but it's just really pretty much the comic book cover browser from Marvel 84, 85, that, that all of those covers are emblazoned in my mind, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll do one better. Equally important to me back then, um, as the covers, the Marvel house ads, especially the ads oh, for yeah. the magazines. 
Mm, okay. Dra- Dracula lives. Um, this is where our ages are a little different. And yeah, that's not an yeah. age shot. I'm saying like that is that stuff that was purely archival for me. It it was a combination between the Gaspar Saladino font treatments that he did and just the the gritty slapdash nature of just the way they put it together and and the, mm-hmm. the hyperbole that stand through at you. Like, you need to read this issue or you will be missing the comic book, like, of your entire lifetime. You need to read it. And if you don't, you suck, you know? And 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 I saw, like, even the Barry Windsor Smith, like, the Savage Sword of Conan ads, uh, which was Savage Tales first. But, uh, like, those those quarter page, or were they quarter page? No, they were third page Marvel house ads that just, like, they, they I would wait just to turn the page to see those damn ads and i was like oh i gotta get this book um and they marvel's in-house ads really did a number on me and and then it happened again with the heroes world stuff when the cubert school sometimes joe but a lot of the students would draw all the toys for the mm-hmm. heroes world ads remember those mm-hmm. oh man and then the heroes world catalog that you bought on the newsstands like what it was complete <laughs> the whole book was just like little drawn um posters and and dolls the amigo dolls and mm-hmm. and you know the spider-man web shooter which i had like 10 of those because i kept breaking it and um I, I just it's the ephemera or the the, mm-hmm. the 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 sideline stuff that is equally important to me as the comics themselves like i just it, love them this isn't a uh, a comic book cover thing but it is definitely evocative of what you're getting at i my feet one of my favorite things about the child about childhood was the when you'd buy for me it was gi joe and transformers when you'd buy a new gi joe or transformers vehicle and you'd open up the box, and it would have the little mini comic-sized new new catalog for that that mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. And it was again, there was no internet, right? So you only knew the stuff existed when they told you it existed, right? And opening up a box, and you pull out the catalog, and it would have the twelve action figures that were coming out for that series, and the the six vehicles, and it would just I would study those things till they were just frayed and smeared and wrinkled i would bring them in my in my school bag yep. read them on the bus i had to just have every one of those things memorized so that i knew what to look for when i would get a chance to go to toys r us or something Same. and uh oh my god it was just the best it was so much fun it was way cooler now than like my kids you know they know they know sets are coming out a year before they come out i know I d- in I, fact I, to that end jackson who is a lego fiend He's my middle son to uh, the listeners. He's uh, 13. He he texted me, uh, I don't know, like a week or two ago. Just said, Dad, uh, the new Harry Potter sets are coming out this week. Any chance you could swing by the Lego store? Because uh, there's one in Manhattan, you know, in, in uh, Rock Center. Any chance you could swing by and see if they got them, I'll reimburse you. And, like, he had just had, like, an alert on his phone. He knew they were coming. You know, like, there was no surprise, no no ennui or no walking into the store and, and – and, uh, Wondering if there's anything cool, and then seeing it, and then being overcome with joy because he didn't know it was going to be there. You know what I mean? There's no magic. There's no magic yeah, no anymore. Magic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's the truth. Now, uh, on your see, you're uh, as you said, you're a little bit younger than than I. With me, it was like He-Man. Before that, it was like the Mego stuff, where you you would flip over the back of the card and see what was coming out. You know, and it was just. 
it was gold, right? There's no better feeling than stumbling upon something you didn't know existed. Yes. Right? Did you ever get the um, the Warlord figures from Remco? Warlord, Arik, Hercules? No, you know why I didn't. So why? Because why? I'm, not, I'm not a fan of Mike Rell. So, uh-huh. I, did, so, I, so I didn't that read makes, Warlord. Makes, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I wasn't. I mean, I, I didn't. I, I couldn't tell you. I've read the occasional issue of Warlord only because they'd end up in the stack of books that um that my aunt would give me but yeah i warlord wasn't a book that um that would have been on my pull list and planet of the apes figures hell yeah oh, but, yeah you know so you want to do another question or i can tell you my cover oh you didn't you yet go. you just said about the memories no. so what's your cover do it do it no yeah i yes um I was a couple months away from turning 11, and I was in Massachusetts visiting my grandparents, and my grandfather would take me to the newsstand where they had a spinner rack, and that's where I um, I bought my first comic on my own, um, which is a story for the, 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 I've told in the past, but this the cover that instantly... Um, trample, transports me back to walking in to that store, seeing this cover, needing it, um, wanting to know why what's happening is is being shown, and it's uh, the New Teen Titans number thirty-four. Mm-hmm. And you, you love that it, cover. I do, and it took it, it. It didn't dawn on me until years later how deep George went in informing this cover. Basically, for anybody who who hasn't seen it, um, although Kevin should, since uh, he has the, uh, the 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 omnibus, um, it's a uh, it's an image of the Titans at this stage. It's Cyborg, Raven, Robin, Wonder Girl. Kid Flash, Starfire, Terra, and Changeling. Uh, almost like it's a promotion or publicity photo. They're just standing there all posed. But behind them, uh, it's almost as if he's he's shooting down this, this poster or this banner. Uh, behind them, blowing them away, is Deathstroke. And um, and it, it it took me a while to realize that the the uh, the context is uh, he's he's attacking them from behind or from inside, which of course is um, where he his, his mole was able to infiltrate the team. Um, Kid Flash is not being pretty much everybody is being blown away by by his his gunfire, uh, except for Kid Flash, who at this stage had pretty much retired. Uh, he he didn't hang up the suit. That wasn't until another issue or two. Um, but he he was he escaped um, in this case for for, for this particular story. Uh, but it is um, yeah I, I remember plunking down the sixty cents for it and and reading it and rereading it and and it was it was part of a of a larger story because of course Terra had to be um, allowed to to join the team and 
and her story uh, still had a ways to go. Um, so it wasn't like it was the first issue of something. It wasn't like here's it, 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 it's a great jumping on point, which is something else I love about those old books is that there wasn't, you know, there there weren't the 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 solicits for whatever if you want to even call them that they didn't really let you know it, it, this is a great opportunity for you know for you to finally start reading this issue it was just you're going into the story whether it's towards the beginning of it towards the end of it the last part of it it, it doesn't matter and and that's that also added to the uh, the fun of of the back issue hunt was just filling in gaps or seeing and and even if you fill in because there really weren't too many stories that were part two of six, part three of six. You, you mm-hmm. just, it was either to be continued or you pick up right where the previous issue left off. But so if you have issue like 293 of the incredible Hulk, and then you find 292, but the story still continued, but you don't know if you just should go back to 291 or maybe go back a little further. And it's just, I, I miss that. I absolutely love that part of uh of the hobby the chase was such a um such an important part for me to to maintain being a a comic book fan i i, I love the puzzle i love the I, I i love finding out and and kind of doing it on my own without you know there, there was no wikipedia to let me know how many issues something was going to happen for and i just i it, it's it's a lost art and and you know it's great that depending on how old you are and 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 when you started reading comics you know you can obviously adapt use the technology to to best suit you to to do what you want to with with the hobby but uh you yeah, know there, there was just something about the actually having to either read the ads in cbg or uh, go to the comic shop and and find what you were looking for, and um, or amazing Marvel's preview special. Yeah, that yeah. was yeah, the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, you definitely could, but I, but even that would just kind of give you the gist of what to expect for the next quarter, for for the next few months. This is what Alpha Flight's going to do. This is what's going to happen in Superman. This is what's going to happen in Batman and the Outsiders, and you know, but and and even then. Uh, especially if you're like, you know, if you're someone like John Byrne and you think you have a plan for how many issues something's going to go, uh, there are some cases where the characters are going to let you know how long that story's supposed to go for. So, yeah, you may have an idea. Uh, I, I'm going to wrap this up in five issues, but if, if something happens where the characters are forcing the creator to go and a little longer on this or get sidetracked with something, you know? So, so I love the preview specials, but, but they were never, um, you couldn't use them as, as a, uh, as an absolute guide. Yeah. Well, hinging on that, what I always wanted to do was gather all the amazing heroes, preview specials and go Mm -hmm. through them and list all of the books that were scheduled to come out that never did. Yes. Because they mm-hmm. would they would promote shit that like oh my god I can't wait for this and it never would arrive it would never would show up and mm-hmm. and I know there's got to be a bunch in like each issue we should do that one of these days when we have absolutely nothing I'm down. to do I'm so down yeah um, here's a weird one real quick kind of like um, that memory trigger it's it's 
tangentially about comics, but it, it, it's comics content. Um, one of my all-time favorite periodicals is the Monster Times. And the Monster Times was a newspaper that focused mostly on horror movies, monster movies, sci-fi stuff, you know. Um, but they would seg into comics frequently, right? So um, my mother took me to New York City, summer of 1972. And it was for some goofy feast of whatever, St. Anthony or something. I don't even remember what it was. It was like a, it was the church ran a bus I'm trip. I'm not a San Gennaro. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know what it was. It was, it was a church-based thing that we went to this, you went to the church, you saw the relic, yeah, 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 and you went and there was like food and, and stuff. Um, <laughs> they blocked off the whole street. Blocks and blocks of, of street was, was, was cordoned off and they had this thing, this feast. So it was wall-to-wall people. And I'm walking down the street with my mom and getting jostled and bumped and shoved. And he's like, oh, God. And towards me walks this kid. And clutched to his chest was a copy of the Monster Times number 13. Why is that so? Mm -hmm. Why is that important? You know, could have been anything. Number 13 has the Amazing Spider-Man cover story. So it was... A blue cover, I mean, it was cheaply printed, so it was just cyan, just just spot, you know, spot colors. And um, it's, it's a Romita, Amazing Spider-Man, big on the cover. And inside, it's Jerry Conway interviewing John Romita. And I didn't know that. All I saw was this cover, and I bought the Monster Times like crazy as a kid, and I didn't have this issue, and it just came out, and my... One of my strongest memories from my childhood is this kid walking towards me with this fucking amazing Spider-Man monster times and then walking past me. And then my, my whole day was shot because mm-hmm. every, every newsstand we'd pass, I'd, I'd like rubberneck and look and see if they had it so I could pull my mother to get it for me. And I didn't, I didn't get it that day. You know what I mean? But just out of the whole day, the one thing I remember is that kid, I can even see his face a little prick with, with this amazing spider-man <laughs> monster times walking towards me i i mean i have multiple copies of the issue now but i didn't then and i didn't for many years after that because once they sold out at the newsstand you didn't get it unless you mailed into it and i was 72 mm-hmm. i was what i wasn't even i wasn't even, at least what 27 no 72 <laughs> i wasn't even 10 years old that's right you dick in the summer of 72 I was a f- couple weeks, well, depending on how late in the summer, but I'd be a few weeks away from being born. See that? I was a, a twinkle in my, my father's eye. <laughs> I'm glad your father had that twinkle. Mm-hmm. We all benefit. Well, you're tough you tonight, man. You are tough. I am trying to get you happy. You just, you're not <laughs> having true. it. true. I'm like, still, I'm still, I'm still focusing on the fact that you said you missed that more than you missed me, but that's okay. He said varying degrees. Oh, See I, how he I, reads I, into we all, me. We all know what he meant, though. We all no, know what he meant. That's I not what I meant. Wow, that's yeah. not. Oof, you tough room. <laughs> I just love that you're fighting for 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 us to to bond. I love it. Well, it, it's hey, it's like it's like it's like the playing hard to get thing. It's like that's what I had. That's the secret, I guess. Aside from you two, who the frig am I going to bond with? Who do I want to bond <laughs> with? No one. <laughs> All of our beautiful listeners. Well, yeah, on that sure. level, yes, I There'll love be a them all. Line at New York for people waiting the bond. But if I was going to, you know, 
Same in one sex of the many times I tried to engage you in Slack and you chose not to, um, I'll bring it up on the show. What do you think about Todd being at New York and what do you want to do about it? Okay. I, I want to hug him. I want to Probably meet him. Probably won't be allowed. I've right. Well, okay. I, here's what I want to do. I want to meet him and I want to hug him f- and thank him profusely for making my life better with his art and not only Spider-Man but Spawn because, I, you know, it's near and dear to my heart. And then I'm going to back up a little bit and I'm going to smack mm-hmm. him yep. because he keeps paying Simon Kudransky. Kudransky. He, he keeps, no, he, he Marvel's, keeps, Marvel's paying him now. Un, for, for what, I don't not, know. I don't we're not we're not we're not going to talk about that. No, but I mean that's the one <laughs> I love Todd. 99.9% of my heart is full of just love for Todd. It's that 1% why he keeps employing the Simon Kudransky that that just I know, right? It frosts my ass. But no, I would love to meet him. Can we do this? We could sure try. Did you see that one picture of uh uh, McFarlane with Stan and Stan's holding up the sign saying, "Who is he?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let him in. Is I I would assume that it's going to be incredibly tough to get even get close to him. Well, I'm sure he'll mostly do that. Um, pay a st- stupid amount of money to meet him, type of thing. But we have our ways. We'll start putting out the tendrils. Wait a minute, Todd does that too. He does the life. I assume thing? he's going to do the Stan Lee thing, right? I mean, I assume. I don't know. I mean, what does Todd need money? He's got more than enough. What does Stan need money? Well, one could argue that it's, you know, it's not Stan doing it, but who knows, you know? Yeah. Listen, I don't know. Like I said, I have no, I I presume someone like Todd isn't just going to be sitting around an artist alley table, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, look, uh, as we know, Eric Larson sits around an artist alley table such that we struck up a conversation which led to him coming on the show. So, and Eric's better. So if you go by degree oh, of magnitude, wow. well, he <laughs> is. He is. Come on. It's true. I think we did agree some time ago. It's Rob greater than Eric greater than Todd. <laughs> no, 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 no. Greater, greater no, than no. Eric, than... Eric's at the top. Eric's at the top, and then and then Todd, and then Rob. And I love them all. Agree to disagree, but okay. There's nobody better than Eric at Image. There's. I mean, I know they all. Genuflect oh, at the altar of Sylvester. Just putting Todd over Rob, but that's cool. They all claim Sylvester is the best draftsman, which I'm not that's seeing true. it. Yeah, it's nonsense. Nonsense. They do. It's no. pure nonsense. It's, it yeah, it's one of those it's things where it's just like, listen, he's the guy we got to just build up his his, his self esteem. Yeah, it's, it's it's like it's like it's like everybody giving it's like the other Beatles giving Ringo love. Everybody no, knew I, he was no, the don't, thing, so if they you're had to talk about. No, if you're going to go down that road, it's Protasio. He would be the Ringo. Right. The funny thing about Wills is he was never like he he was like a founding member for like three days. Yeah, St- still a founding like, he member. He actually dude. backed out before they even had to put their dick on the table. Right. Pardon right. my French, everybody. But Silvestri is an impeccable draftsman. But no, I, he is. Of he's course. he's nowhere. I, I I can't ever honestly though. I have a pet peeve with Silvestri because he begat an entire school that's never gone away of. Just pure, flat, no life, scantily clad, big breasted. That's true. Like, and and it's it must have something to it because because that's been going on ever since he started it. But it's it's so uninspired, in my opinion. But you know what? I gotta I gotta agree with you. Nice. Look at that. He, for all the good he did on the Xbox, well, he, he kind of he kind of put the kibosh on them too, in terms of creative growth. You know, there yes, there exactly. are so, there are some things that you do you just 
will not see in a next book. Like, correct. You know, super expressive. Oh, rectumundi. So, what else do we have? Well, you were going to ask us another question, but then we. Oh, I, I do have it, and it's right here. Yeah. Um, okay. This is from Mike Del Vecchio. Uh huh. With the big two always trying to find a new way to shock the readers and change things up, for example, team changes, status quos, etc., what are some of your favorite changes in recent memory? If nothing, what would they have to do to get your attention? This is easy for me. So, so I'm sorry. So he's saying changes to the status quo that we liked? Um, what do basically what do the big two have to do to get your attention? What are some of the things that they've done to get your attention that or, you've liked? Right. Oh. Is, is, is there something that's happened recently within the past few years that shocked you? Um, or if nothing shocked you, what could they do? Right. And, and, and I'll just get mine out of the way. For me, it's this new era of heroes thing at DC. I love all these books with the exception mm-hmm. of, of uh, what is it? Sideways, the, the Roquefort book. Um, yeah. I, I love them all. I think that they're a lot of fun. I think they're great. They're, they're unpretentious. They're just flat out just love of, of super, superhero books. And, and they're, they're, they're clicking with me. I know they're not selling incredibly well, but they're a winner in, in my book. I, I, I look forward to reading those books every month. That's it. The Terrifics, I think, is probably DC, next to Batman, the Terrifics is probably DC's best book. Well, and, Lemire is, is running away with Writer of the Year for me, so. Yeah. So that's mine. It's, it's an easy easy uh answer what what would be yours that hmm um what would really shock me is if they finally admitted new 52 was a bust and went back to what it was that's not going to happen so um i think based on what we've been given um honestly Bendis taking on Superman is is a little bit on the shocker side for me. I the, the fact that Bendis showed up, but I mean that's not nothing to to change um, the books. But the fact that he is on Superman and um, telling stories with that character, um, but yeah, it's weird. I don't know if yes. I mean I, I agree with events about the terrifics. Uh, Batman is, I think it's the the recent art, Cold Days, the three issues, 51, 52, and 53, are probably, I think, uh, as much as I enjoyed the War of Jokes and Riddles, the, the Cold Days is probably the best thing I've read from Tom's run since he started Batman. And the... Um, and that's praise. It's just Batman. It's just Batman and flashbacks. And the last page of the last chapter, absolutely, just I mean, as instant wood. I just could not. Um, I I I I love this fucking art. But there are really, I mean, even with Marvel, I don't know if there's anything that. Um, it feels like everything's been done with. I have, to, I have to read Extermination. I, I have that queued up. I haven't read it yet. But, I mean, even with the X-Men, it's not like there really isn't anything that um, they, they're trying stuff with Hulk. I don't know. I It, it just probably 
give me something that reminds me of what I love about these characters or um, made me want to consume every little thing and, and retain all the information that was on every page. I don't have that anymore. I don't, I don't have that feeling of, I, I mean, I read a book and I can either forget about it or I just move on to the next one just because it's, there's so much to read. It's information overload. I, I don't, there was very little for me to retain these days. So I don't, I really don't know what they could do to, because I don't want them to just shock me to, for, for, for shock's sake. I, I, I want it to mean something. So I, I really, I, I'd shy away from, from these be an editor for a day type questions because I, I want to enjoy the stories and not really direct where they're going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess I'm, I'm still not quite sure I follow Like he's, is he asking like, what's the last kind of thing that was a pleasant surprise to us? To you. Um, yes. Or if there wasn't any pleasant surprises, what could they do to surprise oh. you? Well, to get your the, attention. The, I mean, I you know, I I guess if I'm if I'm interpreting the question the way I think I should, I I am pleasantly surprised often, and I'm. But that's not necessarily a compliment. I in, in that, um. I do feel like even though I don't read everything Marvel and DC put out anymore, I still much of what I read does feel exactly like what I expected it to. Which isn't necessarily bad, but it's not it's not great either. But there, but but there are every week or two. There's a an issue or a new series or a, a new that that does stand out and and that excites me because it it does manage to capture my imagination more than than a typical big two book would. Um, I would say today it happened. Uh, West Coast Avengers number one. Yeah, I, I yeah. I started it before we started recording, so well, I didn't get to finish it. But yeah, I, I, and I, I think it's pertinent because when it was solicited, I hammered it. Um, I thought that the solicit, I was worried it was going to be like a like a book of quirky characters for the sake of it, and it was going to be over the top funny. Um, but I should have faith because I am a Kelly Thompson fan. I, I very much enjoyed. Um, her A Force book, which was the, you know, the all female Avengers team. I, I liked her her Hawkeye uh, work, uh, meaning Kate Bishop. And this this issue today, I tried it because it's West Coast Avengers. Of course, I'm going to try it, and I thought it was terrific. I thought it was it was action packed and great interpersonal dynamic between the the heroes that were joining the team and. Um, it was it was it was comics should be crazy, right, Vince? They should be wacky, and it was wacky. I mean, they were fighting these two-legged land sharks, and it, she was trying to get people to help her, and like everyone was busy. It was just very funny and and well done and endearing. It made me like the characters, even a couple of the new ones. I so I I, I was pleasantly surprised by that because I expected it to be terrible, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Avengers, uh, no surrender. Right, right, but mm. yeah, that was a, weekly, a total anomaly. It was a weekly book we all thought was going to be a cash in, and uh, just a, something for them to try and, and, and it ended up being fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was a but, fantastic Avengers run. But so. these are these are little isolated incidents. I think, 
I think there's a there's yeah. A, no, I know that's what I'm saying. Like, is he asking more like like holy shit? I can't believe that happened. Because if he's asking that, then the last thing and and I'm, there's probably been something more recent than this. But but the thing that just totally took me by surprise, and it probably is because I am not as much a DC acolyte historically as I am a Marvel zombie. Was um, was uh, the, with Green Lantern when um, when Anti Monitor was powering the uh, the the Yellow Lanterns mm. when they rev- when when they re- revealed him at the end of the first issue. Yeah, that, was, it, that was that that was a jaw dropping moment. Very you know, like a holy shit. Moment. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I shouldn't step on the soapbox, but what the hell? <laughs> I, I I think there's a problem. Especially at Marvel, Marvel's having a crisis of infinite characters, and it's annoying as hell. And and I'm guilty of 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 promoting this practice because of my cosmic ghostwriter love. I thought the character was cool, and you know it's great. But these sure. endless permutations of characters, it's getting it's getting tedious, tiresome. It's getting boring. Um, like well, you should be happy then because they are. Very much putting that to rest. Thank goodness. I case in point. We loved Spider Verse. At least Dap and I, right? Dude, I own pages from it. Of course, I, I know. It. I know. I know. Me okay. Too? But I recently read um, Edge of Spider Geddon with the the punk mm-hmm. the punk Spider Man, and and I found it horribly boring. The this the, you know the the Hobie is an okay character. There's mm-hmm. a there's a punk Hulk in it, like how many more of these things are we gonna have? Yeah, you know it's just like well, to, yeah a template. You you just keep getting these changing the, the 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 scenery behind the characters doesn't make a new character. It just makes a a, a, a you know a, a look alike. And and again, I, I I like the Cosmic Ghost Rider. I think that's a cool character, mm-hmm. but it still falls into that rut. So th- they're guilty of it with. Gwenpool and and all that other stuff, and, and it's just to, to me as a long term reader, I don't want to see another permutation of Logan, old man Logan. Like yeah, so X twenty three. Funny you say that because I don't I don't know if you looked at the West Coast Avengers, but but one of the characters in the book prominently featured is Gwenpool, and you know I've got mad hate for that mm-hmm. character because that character was literally created in the back of an issue as a joke about the fact that there's so many tangential characters now. Mm-hmm. Like that's and then it's stuck. But in Kelly's defense, she at least gave the character a little bit of 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 life in this. And the other characters I like, so I'm I'm going to I'm okay with it much in the way that but you know, but yes, but to your point though, I think I will give Marvel credit. They're they're putting all these things into place. Um while you were away, we talked about uh, extermination which is the X-Men mini event that's happening. And the whole point of it is to get rid of the Bendis um, young X-Men, you know, the ones that came from, from back in the day. De- the really? They're, yeah, they're going to be gone. Um, and then with Wolverine coming back, as much as Charles Soule is completely, I have no interest in reading his, his, <laughs> his, 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 his bringing Logan back. Logan is coming back and they are putting the pieces in place for all the other Logans to go. Um, I, I don't again I'm not spoiling anything about with what I'm about to say because this is my conjecture I don't know this for sure but it seems to me like they're setting up for old man Logan to die uh, at the end of his series uh, I assume they're going to kill off um, Ultimate X Howlett um, they've made X-23 back to 
uh, X twenty three. She's not Wolverine anymore. So I, th- I think they're they're they are putting all of these pieces back into place uh, to a degree, right? right. Um, uh, like Riri is not she's she's her own character in Iron Heart, you know. Um, so I do I do think they slowly but surely they killed off spoilers. I guess they killed off Jane Foster. You know what I mean? Like so they're they're they are getting back to one character for each right right each idea. and i see these these copycat characters they it's in the same vein as an homage cover like the endless reworkings of fantastic four number one john byrne himself has redone that cover like eight to ten times mm-hmm. all the work has been done for you you're just putting a new coat of paint on it yeah they could be inventive like the cosmic ghost rider and and you know in my mind, few others, but I think it, it, I'm, I'm glad that they're putting it to, to rest because it's just, it's, it's tedious, man. It's not fun. It's not. Yeah. And, and I think one of the first ones was, was Venom, right? Venom was one of the first copycat characters. No. I mean, we had how many Green Lanterns and that's different. Robins. That's and- different. Why? Because the Green Lanterns, because they're space cops. That's the core. There, there's, there's more than, but whereas. Well, you can you can defend the backstory anything you want, but the mechanics of it was it was another it was another character doing the same thing. I don't see like it. that's just your nostalgia kicking in. It's the Maybe. same conceit. It's the same conceit of we're going to have another character with this with that with this with this power set or this costume. That's it's the same thing. Donna Troy, they're all the same thing. You, I, I, I wholeheartedly push back and say DC did a better job of it because they always embrace sidekicks, but but it's the exact, mechanistically it's the exact same thing. So they're all analogs of the same idea. So the Batgirl, one, the Batgirl, one standout, they're, they're all analogs of Batman. I mean, it's right. But the one standout would be the Legion, where they all have different power sets. They just the the, the commonality between them is the fact that they have a Legion flight ring. That's it. It's not sure. like it's not like the Green Lantern Corps where the ring is the the power. These characters have their own powers. It's just that the ring enables the ones who can't fly to fly. So right. I would say the Legion is exempt from all that. But <laughs> yeah, I gotta agree with you. Begrudgingly, the, the Lantern thing is the same, but because the characters are so diverse, like they're not all human, they're aliens. So visually, it's sure. it's diverse, but it is. It is basically. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Miss Marvel is Captain Marvel as a woman, right? She Hulk is the Hulk's cousin. Like, she's a female Hulk. I mean, some of these superseded the conceit and became interesting in their own right. And so we're more forgiving of them. But I mean, literally, they were sitting around saying, oh, let's. Let's give Hulk a pair of tits. Like, that's what the. That was the original. That's what Stan said, right? I mean, let's get. That's how it started. And then. So this has been going on since the 70s. Something cool. And yeah. I, we haven't been well, – you have been paying attention, but, but obviously I haven't been because, yeah, the, the She-Hulk is the Hulk with, with boobs and, yeah. and you know. But it was so infrequent. Maybe that's why I didn't really notice it. Sure, sure. I now, if we like, get like the group core, the Groot core or like the Rocket Raccoon Legion or something like that, we're getting ridiculous. The Man-Things? Come on. A whole Oof. team of Man-Things? I'm down. There's my hypocrite kick, kicking in. All right, so more comics. Ah, well, um, this is new. Came out today. Um, what? It seems that uh, yeah. If if uh, 
I'm I'm excited. I'm happy to read a flagship book of a flagship character that's actually good. So, Action Comics 1002. Uh, just to go back to the whole Bendis and Superman thing. This um this is a different story than what he's doing in Superman. the The Gleason cover is very Dave Johnson esque, but uh, the Gleason interiors. He's still not. It's it's different than his previous than than the last Superman uh series and it's different than uh than his his Robin work um I like it it's very fitting I like the way he's drawing Clark kind of kind of hunched over looking but basically similar to um the way Christopher Reeve portrayed him in in the movies where oh. he uh he slouched a bit and uh, kept fidgeting kept pushing his glasses back on his face and uh the hair was kind of just more slicked and cow licked and this was just um it's we we are definitely getting more daily planet and clark's co-workers in action comics than we are in superman which is fine i i have no problem with that uh keeping with traditions yeah and and the storylines really aren't um they what's happening in superman and and what's um What's happening in Action Comics both kind of stemmed out from the Man of Steel miniseries, but the um, they're not really interchangeable. What um, yes, uh, what's happening in Superman with with the Earth and the Phantom Zone? That's you don't get any of that. There's no reference to that in Action Comics. They're 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 separate stories, uh, whereas. Melanie Moore is not um, who she appears to be. There's there's some uh, there's some something going on with her that definitely is is going to be explored. Uh, she is working at the Daily Planet. Um, basically, someone's pulling some strings and and put her in place here, and um, or. I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. Uh, there is a, um, they quickly, instead of, um, drawing out the mystery, uh, the, the issue starts off with a, um, a gangster being dropped to his death. And, um, Melody Moore is trying to say that Superman dropped this gangster. And Perry's like, okay, so, um, Superman dropped a low-level criminal to his death in, in broad daylight in front of children. That's what you're telling me. And she's like, well, that's what people are saying. And he goes, so this was at the very same time he was part of the Justice League in Seattle saving the world from a giant starfish. And, and so is this before or after he set all those fires? And uh, obviously she's reporting what she's heard, but she's not doing a very good job at actually um, investigating uh like a reporter should. Uh, so Perry's going to have Clark kind of also cover this story um, because it turns out that Perry also had Lois kind of shadow Clark to um, when Clark would go investigate his story. I, I'm really enjoying Bendis's take on Perry in this, but the uh, the Guardian appears and um, he uh, he is 
he's kind of uh, aggressive. More, so, I mean, this isn't really the Jim Harper that I remember from um, the Adventures of Superman from back in the day. This is a very uh, yeah, just just he's 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 putting people through you know car windows and and he's he's not um he's more a very he's almost a, a more violent batman than he is in any incarnation i've ever seen the guardian before um but we find out who's been who's been behind the fires and uh superman has to take some aggression out on uh on some space rock and Cat Grant shows up to let him know that uh, she's read a few pages from Lois's book and, and Clark is completely dumbfounded at this. He's like, I didn't, what, what do you mean? Lo- Lois's book. And, and um, this is when we find out because again, in Superman in, in, in the ongoing Superman book, Superman's kind of, put out because the device the communications device he had to keep in touch of john and lois was destroyed um and now his he's preoccupied though with the earth being trapped in the phantom zone but as far as we know in that book lois and john and jor-el are out gallivanting the stars here lois is on earth writing a book and she apparently is is uh, in disguise, but um, the last page there's the, the last page is a pretty I was going to say cool cliffhanger. The last page definitely wants me to read uh, issue one thousand three. I, I want to because um, I'm, I'm I'm fine with the the storylines being different or or, or being told at different times but i want to i i, I want to know how we got here and and um i i it looks like and i appreciate that that bendis isn't dragging his feet on some things he's not he's not just uh patting things out or or um he he the things he has you wondering about are uh are just because you're anxious and want to see where it's going whereas you're he, he's leaving it hanging purposely and he may go back to it in a few months that that doesn't seem to be going on here but i um i'm still it's been two issues of action comics and two issues of superman but i am still liking what bendis is doing with uh superman and his characters sweet that's cool i know i'm happy to be talking about superman again it's a good time you are excite. And that's a good and thing. And excite. Yes. I got something. I don't know if you both of you have read it, but um, it's an Aftershock book. I haven't talked about them oh, in a the, minute. Oh, in a minute? Yeah. Did you read it, uh, check, Dad? Check the slack. I mean, maybe. Oh, okay. I didn't. Um, this is written by mm-hmm. Ryan Parrott. Yes. Art by Omar Francia. And like I said, it's published by Aftershock. It's called Volition. Number one. And I have to admit that I am very, very hooked by this first issue. And I'll tell you why. Uh, the uh, 
first issue subtitled Sin Theology. It's uh, World of the Future, 2132 A.D., and um, Dr. Elizabeth Tremor created an artificial intelligence that eventually became the spark that animated these robots called artificials. Um, they come in many shapes and sizes. Some look exactly like humans, albeit with, you know, Gundam-esque panel lines between plates on their their heads and 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 arms and stuff. And some of them look like Rock'em Sock'em robots or you know the ABC Warriors. They come in all shapes and sizes. Um, but in in essence, what they are is self-aware machines. And uh, the robots, their minds, their consciousnesses are as diverse as humanity. That was the thing that drew me in. This isn't the old chestnut where artificial intelligence is put forth into the world and all the robots band together and destroy humanity. Like, that's not what this is. The conceit is that all these artificials are as unique unto themselves as each individual member of the human race is to their their people. Um all these robots have their own unique desires and motivations and concerns and and it's 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 refreshing to read that where it's fresh and clean it is um they don't take that much traveled sci-fi cliche down that road where you know Kree got kill where the robots are going to band together and kill everybody. that that's not what this is about um, all these robots are just busy sussing out their places in the, the, the grand scheme of things, like, like everybody else of flesh and blood. Um, but because they're machines, um, humanity looked down upon them as like ambulatory toasters. You know, they're, they're given minimal freedoms. Um, they're basically slaves to the flesh bags. Um, but in time, they fought for their rights, and wouldn't you know it, they won. Um, they're integrated into society. They start families. They have careers. Some are nurses and doctors and, and television personalities and actors and anything you can imagine a human doing. These, these, these robots have careers unto themselves, similar careers. Um, unfortunately, like all the mother boxes that we all carry in our back pockets, the older models become obsolete. And and these older models resort to sustaining themselves, their software, their parts, on the black market, which is a whole subset of crime. Um, which and this gives rise to another problem: the first artificial communicable disease. Because these these robots are are taking software from wherever they can steal it or get it or or you know buy it. And parts from wherever they're available, there's there arises a disease among the artificials called rust, and what it does is it's the Al it's Alzheimer's for robots. It destroys their consciousness. Um, but here's the rub: the one person that may have been able to eradicate this disease, Dr. Elizabeth Tremor, is nowhere to be found. A wall, just DB Cooper, just gone no you know um so th the issue opens with the birth of a new artificial this amber 7t 
and we see the world through her eyes and we get the, the lowdown of, of what's going on. And then the issue segs into a heist, these, these, this group of, of older model robots in Chicago, they, they bust into this, this uh, place and they, they, they're hijacking software and parts. And um, this giant bot named Hale takes the fall for his friends. And, you know, we, we, we encounter some of the players, but the conceit here is that Amber 7T eventually becomes a nurse. And as a nurse, she gets a bot's eye view into the ravages of this rust disease, what, 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 you know, this horrible disease and what it does to, to her, her, her people, I guess you can say. Um, and she's, she's tending to this very old model, artificial, his name's Hobby. And and he's he's out of it, man. And um, the the typography that they use for hobbies <laughs> hobby speech is great. Like they'll it's it's yeah, affected it typography in in that uh, they'll substitute letters or numbers for letters. You know, in in like elite speak on on the internet, um, they'll use threes for e's and it's, stuff like that. Yeah. And, they and, need you, and and the H is is the pound sign. Yeah, it's cool, you know. And the the doctors and Amber are trying to hold them down, and this 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 hobby uh, artificial is going on about Doctor Elizabeth Tremor and how he was he's got to keep her safe, you know, and he's got to protect her, and, and the and the the emotions start to escalate in this this sequence, and he grabs Amber Seven T, who is an artificial. Remember, she's a she's a robot, and this is another robot. And he, what I saw as data rape, he, against her will, merges with her. He penetrates her consciousness and inf injects her with something, a memory. You know, she didn't agree to it, but he did it anyway. Dap, did you see it that way? He kind of raped her. If, so I... if somebody's sticking something into your body your mind against your will that's that's kind of rape yeah yeah i mean yes yes in in the most um i guess base sense right. yes the base there, level it, yeah it, it's it's she's she does say no but he i if it saves I, the robot race, is it worth it? I, but I, that's the thing. See, I don't. It, it, this wasn't where he was. He he was transferring information, and it's it's weird. I don't. I could. Yes, it's an intrusion, and he's holding her down. It 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 can be a it can be considered a violation, but. She, after the fact, it's it. She she's not. Um, she doesn't have the um, the behavior. Her actions aren't. Um, don't strike me as someone who has been. Well, has been raped. I, I don't. I, I didn't get her. She she was. And yes, I mean yes. You could say okay. Well, once. Once you succumb, then, you know, but it, it's the the initial shock. I could see where you're coming from, but I think the... the um, and even the thing that he plunges into her 
is penile in in shape. It I mean it's it's an ex- extension of whatever that is that's going into her, and it's long and it's got a bent tip on it. I mean it, I, I'm sure it wasn't designed to look like a penis, but it's it's plunged into her. You know, so I I don't know. I don't, I, it but be, it's 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 like in her neck, right? Under her chin or where, something. Yeah, I mean that's semantics. Wherever it is, it's he's he's forcing himself into her, and he's injecting her with, even though it's data, it's it's she's not saying, oh yeah, you know, stick me with that thing, I'll take it. You know, she's like, no, and she's kind of holding him off, and he's on top of her, and the doctors are rushing in, and it and they they tase him. But it's at that after that point. I mean, the the damage is done. She's got whatever he put into her into her. But it's could be the the very information that will save the robot race because if this hobby was attached to Doctor Tremor and he knows stuff and he's passing on the knowledge to another of his kind that will eventually save the robot race. It was it all worthwhile? That's that's the, see these are the things that make me want to read more of this because this is deep this is this is this concerns me on a bunch of different levels because yeah they're robots but they're they're stand-ins for for humans right this these could be these concerns apply to flesh and bone things too right so uh, long story short she's being evaluated by um someone um What's his name? They they don't really say his name, but he's the chief administrator of this virtual heart um, uh, hospital where Amber works, and she she makes the mistake of telling him that you know like I had this run in with Hobby and blah blah blah, and uh, she relays the specifics of the incident to him, and the prick tases her, and obviously he wants this information destroyed because Amber Seven T and Hobby as the issue closes, are slated for destruction. They're going to be compacted, probably, or, or dissolved or something. Um, but, wow, I, I did not expect this at all. I, just, I thought it would just, you know, judging by the cover, it looks like, no offense, I love them, it looks like, you know, it could pass for an issue of Transformers. Yeah. Now, yeah, I agree with that. It it doesn't look like the the depths to which the story plunges is not indicated on the cover, and I I think the art is phenomenal. It's super slick though. The art is very slick. The it's, art is, the art is it's a story you could find in heavy metal. Yeah, good a good issue of heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. But, it's uh, yeah. The the pre Morrison heavy metal. The uh, right. The, there's a um, yeah. The art is very is is very fitting of the um of the story like as as much as i enjoy eric donovan you know with nemetic and 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 eugenic i he i don't it wouldn't have the same weight if he drew this story and there's um so so omar's work is definitely fitting the there it's good brandon peterson scenes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Since he since he went digital, right? Um, there's there are scenes, especially during the um, the robbery, where if that were if that were to happen 
in a Michael Bay movie, you wouldn't be able to tell what the hell was going on. But 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 between the line work and the coloring, even though it's raining, you could still make things out. It's it between the story that's being told, the word, the, the pictures moving the story along. It it's it's a really good meshing of of the two. I yeah. I was I'm 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 glad you uh, you urged me to uh to check it out i i'm um yeah i i i was surprised i mean i i'm i'm digging what aftershock is doing but this was um and this is this is way different than than a walk through hell oh, or yeah. anything yeah. bun has done with the company it's uh but it's yeah i i curious to see um they they really aftershock doesn't really have a problem kind of hooking you i mean they did it with animosity mm-hmm. month in month out did there and and now they did it with this because it's 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 not a um it's not like it's it's not a major it's i don't want to say it's not a no shit moment but i mean yes we we need to find out it, it, it's almost like it's an episode of of the batman tv show from the 60s where you know how they're gonna get out of this so i want to see what um not only how does amber get out of this but what is it that the administrator is trying to prevent who where is trey Moore? like right. since, since she pulled the bobby fisher you know no one's seen or heard from her so um people know more than they're letting on and then you have the whole um the whole robbery deal is, it's yeah, like it's cool. they, so yeah that which was cool but you know now we need to know where those robots fall into you know so well, you know like, they're gonna cross um, paths they yes, to. absolutely. Yeah. There wasn't there. There was no. There was no subtlety there. But it was just. Um, it's like the the burglary happens in the middle, and then we cut to the hospital because it's been a few pages since we saw Amber, and and so yes, yeah, so we were, paths are going to cross, but it was um, it it wasn't. It didn't take away from me enjoying the issue it was just one of those things where it's like i you know the issue ended and i'm like but we already we, we met some of the characters that i i, I kind of want to know more about and we ended with this so it was but i yeah no i'm i'm i i need to see where the second issue takes us yeah and even though it's super slick francia dings up and weathers all the robots like the the the, the paint yeah. on the their plates is chipping and I mean, they're not pristine robots, you know, um, which I, I liked. Even the ships have weathering and the paint's all flaking off in some spots where the, you know, the friction would, would hit them. And I just think it's, it's a very realistic, super realistic, actually, um, sci-fi thriller that kind of falls somewhere between. I mean, the, the, the robots are not all kibbled out. They're complex, but the designs are sound this is not as david said these are not michael bay's transformers it's somewhere in between like say gundam or or pat labor or uh you know maybe even spielberg's ai where they're they're tastefully done but there's not all shit hanging off them all over the place right which i love because it's it's easy to discern who's who where in in Michael Bay's movies you don't know what the hell is going on. 
And I, 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 I love the laws. I, you know, it's, I, I, I've read his stories, but I'm, I'm kind of glad that we're not being hit over the head with, with yep. Asimov's yep. three laws of robotics. It's like, let's just tell a story with, take it as a given. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. And, and just blank slate, go crazy. I just want to know how Amber was born. If she was born well, from two two artificials, like did how how does that work? Did they take personality sequences from the mother and the father and you know merge them together? Because I mean, how could a robot, two robots, have sex? Doesn't I? I don't think I don't. I, I think that she was she was probably an empty shell. Yeah, and parts of mom and dad were used as either um code mm-hmm. most likely code i was gonna say like you know just, just slam a usb stick in her but it's it's there's definitely um like because she's we already know you know she, she's she has eyebrows when we meet her but you know she doesn't it's so there's yeah i i think She's probably because mom and dad look aged. So do do the robots age? Yes, yeah. Seriously, like there's so many questions. Mom yeah. has red hair. Amber has red hair. Yep. Dad is just you know like a Max Headroom type looking dude. But um, the the best compliment I can give this book is it looks like a Valiant book. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and that's that's a, a super compliment because the art is like amazingly accomplished. And what's interesting is wait, where is it at the? I'm trying to see if we see her eyes at the end of the issue. Okay, no, all right, yeah, maybe it was just a a mishap because when we first see her in the first panel, um, her eyes are kind of gray but then when she looks outside they're almost orange and they're kind of still orange at the end of the issue but i was just trying to see if there were anything that were any changes that were made since she was born until four years later when she's working at the hospital but in this this kind of stuff begs the question is an artificial intelligence that evolves and changes and feels and and you know, makes mistakes and has wants and desires. Is that alive? Is that really alive? Is the vision really alive? You know, that's the the type of things that are at the core of the, of a series like this. Is are they're, they're robots, sure, but at at this level of of consciousness, they're they're really people. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like the uh, do robot do. I mean, do androids dream of electric sheep? Right? Sure, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Mister Dick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So there you go. Was his first name Dis? Was it Dis? Dis? Okay. You guys want to bring this puppy home? But of course. All right. Hey, everybody. You know the drill. This this issue, yeah. This episode (laughs) of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to y'all by Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com gets you your books for a fraction of what everybody else is paying. 
uh, here's the drill from Viz Frankenstein by Junji Ito for 11.49 from Boom it's the Sons of El Topo Yodorowsky 9.99 and Mars Attacks is coming from Dynamite 3.99 cover price your price $1.99 here's my amazingly comfortable happy place it's um, written by Alex Ross Mike Carey and Jim Kruger, and you should know by two of those names what you're going to get. Illustra- <laughs> illustrated by Patrick Birkencotter, color art by Carlos Lopez, amazing covers by Alex Ross. It was published by Dynamite and Marvel. It was a joint. Dynamite. It is The Torch, numbers one to eight. Um, and it's all some of the characters that we fondly remember from the great invader series at at marvel uh tom raymond we know him as toro uh one-time sidekick to jim hammond the original human torch he's um he's the steve rogers in this story because he's a man out of time um at the end of avengers invaders bucky um resurrected toro through the cosmic cube so now toro finds himself alive again what he was killed by the mad thinker and um the world has moved on he does not know what his place is in this world everything is these heroes with their garish costumes and their their outlandish powers they don't make sense to him his wife has remarried he's just despondent he doesn't know what to do he's drinking he's just he's out of it man and he he says to the golden age vision uh, who tries to help him? He's like, you got to get out of this, man. You're you're in the dumps. How can I help you? And Toro says, you know what? Take me to the Mad Thinker. And um, Toro tries to kill him, to return the favor, so to speak. And uh, the Thinker is on a uh, AIM uh, deep sea platform, and AIM has hired the Thinker to create a uh, untraceable, massive weapon of mass destruction. And, you know, they give him carte blanche. They, they set him up with magnificent laboratories, anything he needs at his disposal. And he's, he's you know, he's a little at, he's treading water trying to come to, you know, what an idea what he's going to do for this weapon. And it falls right into his lap. Here comes Toro trying to kill him. And uh, the thinker makes short work of Toro. He incapacitates him. And he kind of vivisects him a little bit, cuts pieces out of him. And uh, comes to the conclusion that um, Toro, by association with the original Human Torch, um, absorbed some of the the polyplastic carbonate uh, cells that the the Torch used to um, flame on. You know, Phineas Horton's research is alive inside Toro. So Thinker's like, hmm, how can I use this shit? So they dig up the body of uh, Jim Hammond and the the uh, Thinker pieces him back together and, and ignites him. And the torch, the original human torch, is the weapon of mass destruction that AIM was, was uh, seeking. And um, through this... Compound D, the thinker blocks all of the original Torch's memories, and he's just a 
an unstoppable engine of destruction. He sends them out into this European country and the torch is killing people and burning buildings and killing babies and, and you know, just nastiness. And um, Namer, the Submariner, comes into the picture. Reed Richards pops up. So it's, it's, it's a dynamite book in, in name, but it's, it's really a Marvel book. And um, I, I just I, I loved it. Uh, you know, as with all of the Dynamite Marvel crossovers, it's a hell of a lot of fun, uh, especially if you like the Invaders, which I do. I, I love the Invaders. That team is special to me. God, I don't know why, but they are. Um, I just had a uh, – it's a lot of fun. I, um, this Compound D permeates. Like the, the, there's a point in the story where the, the AIM-C platform goes under. And all this stuff just floods into the water, and the Atlanteans are overtaken, including Namor. And they're under the Thinker's sway. So the Thinker's got Namor on his side, and it just keeps going. Like every person that these – an infected person with the Compound D, they breathe on people, and then they come onto the, the – under the Thinker's control. It's, it's awesome stuff. It's fun. So, I mean, if you like the invaders, if you like these these – Awesome Marvel characters. Um, don't let the dynamite tag fool you. It's really a Marvel book. Um, it's the torch. It's great. Great. It is. Then I'll be happy. And I'm done. I'm jive. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make it short and sweet because we've kind of already gushed about the, well, definitely the first issue. I think we touched on the second but the third issue of Jody LaHoops and Nathan Fox's and Dave Stewart's Weatherman um, continues Whoa. to move the story along at a hella cool clip. Mm. I um, I can't take my eyes off the page. It's it's just it's it's a beautiful book. Uh, we're introduced to some more characters, and mm-hmm. um, I just need to see. I mean, I. Still questions. There are, um, there, there may be some betrayal. There, there's something. There's a, a chase that happens where uh, other characters in another book. I might find the the personality, the attitude um, annoying, but that that's not the case here. Everybody kind of uh, behaves in a way that is. Makes sense based on their situation, and I um, I can't really blame anyone for their actions. And uh, I there's these everybody here has a purpose. No, nobody's kind of just winging it or 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 just there because. There's no red shirts. It, it's not like there's any characters there that you know Nathan just felt like drawing or, or, mm-hmm. or Jody considers disposable. Everything, good point. E- everything serves a purpose, and and I think that's um, that's that makes for a a very uh, engaging read, and and makes me want more, and and that's that's what I like. I can't wait for. Um, for, for the first trade to be solicited so we can have Jody on to, to talk about things. I, I'm absolutely loving the weather, man. And it's yeah, three issues in. If you haven't 
by by now, I'm guessing if you haven't started it, that you're just going to wait for the first trade. But yeah, uh, and if you are, buster, but seriously, uh, if <laughs> uh, I do not want to hear from you if if you uh, let's draw. If you decide to pass to pass on this. That's pretty definitely sh- pretty strong. Traded. I'm hey man, we don't. I I don't. There are certain things where I'm like, you know, hey, you don't feel like reading it, that's cool. Or, you know, if you didn't dig it, that's cool. (laughs) But there are some things where I really kind of want people to check out. And and it might, I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to judge you, but I might judge you if if you don't read this. Mm -hmm. Dap don't shit. When we speak on it, we speak on it. Yeah. Okay. The truth is the truth. Uh, In your travels, uh, please, by all means, by all that is holy... Pick up in some form or fashion because this this week the series came to an end. Um, Royal City, written oh, and it's over. Ri- it's over. Written and drawn oh. by Mr. Jeff Lemire. Issue yeah. number fourteen came out today. It is the fourteenth and final issue. Yes, some of you may be saying, "Wait, I thought it was an ongoing." It was an ongoing, and a couple months ago, Jeff announced he was going to wrap it up. Um, I can tell you that I don't know how long he had planned for it to be, but it wrapped up so wonderfully with this issue. Uh, I got them feels. I got a little verklempt. And, you know, the, the story is certainly not a feel-good story for most of it. I mean, it's, it's in essence, as we've covered before, um, it, it's a story about a family uh, that, uh, that lives in a very small manufacturing town called Royal City. And they uh, suffered a, a huge loss many years ago, where their their uh, uh, Tommy, the one of the one of the one of the children of the family, uh, died, and none of them ever forgot. None of them have ever gotten over it. And he's torn. He he haunts them literally uh, in in uh, in some way for, for each of them. So um, each of them sees a version of Tommy. You know that that's the most important to them. The mom goes to church every day and sees little Tommy with her. Uh, the the main protagonist of the book, who by no coincidence is the same age as Jeff, and is 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 a, a novelist who who left the city because he he made it as a writer. Uh, you know he sees Tommy as a teenage boy, and the other brother sees Tommy as a a twenty something kid, and. You get the point, but the 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 whole idea here is that the family is brought back together through a series of circumstances. Um, no one's really happy, and uh, and they've never quite dealt with their grief. And somehow, in fourteen issues, somehow, some way, Jeff manages to take us on their journey and give us a resolution that I didn't see coming. And what I mean by that is, it's not a sad ending. I didn't see any way this book wasn't just going to be a melancholy look into these people's lives. But Jeff does a 180 and he, 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 he leaves you with a feeling of hope and closure for all of the pikes that I just did never, I just never thought we'd see. Um, so tip my cap to him because I thought for sure we were going in one direction and it was a great direction. I mean, he, he's, if, if that's, if the story went the way you're led to think it's going to from jump, it would have still been a terrific story. But, uh, but in, in the way few few can do uh, like he can, he, he goes the other direction, and it's even better for it. So uh, I absolutely adore this. 14 issues I think will make a perfect oversized hardcover. So I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath for that, and then I will package up the issues and put them in a care package for somebody. But uh, God, this was great. 
uh, I can't go into the details of how it wraps up because that's the whole crux of the story, but it's such a delicate, intricate look at uh, family life. And, you know, I've got this view of the world in that regard that uh, the idea that blood is thicker than water is kind of bullshit. I don't really ascribe to that. Um, And I think the story plays with that idea, right? I mean, what is family? To what level does family is is it not worth having family around versus having them around and uh and yet like i said he doesn't wrap it up with a a nihilistic view of things he wraps it up with a hopeful view and that was refreshing so huge huge thumbs up i i I feel like i praise lemire every week and it's probably because i am because he's having a fucking great year he is crushing it in everything he's doing right now so whether it be the terrifics as you mentioned earlier uh, or this, or Descender, which wrapped up, which I haven't talked about the end yet, and he's got a, another book, a sequel to Ascender coming out, uh, Descender coming, called Ascender coming out. Um, he's just he's just on a, a, an incredible, epic historic role right now. It's true. And you know what else is true? <laughs> what this? We will be back next Oof. week with our book of the month. Oh, bon- we. <laughs> We hope you will join us. In the meantime, you should come to our Facebook group because we have a lot of fun there. Um, look at our Patreon thing. It's rocking. <laughs> it's uh, patreon.com forward slash 110COMICS. Mm-hmm. O'clock comics. Uh, we're on the Twitter and stuff. And big, I don't know, man-sized bro hug to Mr. J. Tomeo who is embarking on the unenviable yes. task of re-listening to the entirety of the 11 o'clock comics output, which I, yep. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't do it, but he is. I'm and, legit and, embarrassed by the things he's saying. We said, seriously. <laughs> and you know what? If we were smart, we, we would be copying his tweets and putting them mm-hmm. in some kind of a wiki because we've never done uh, other than show notes. We've never taken the right. specifics of, of each show and, and, and catalog yep. them. But uh, Mr. Tomio is doing that. And uh, so, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll you'll see those, right? And because um, mm-hmm. we're tagged on them, and uh, so so big, big, big hugs to Mr. Tomio. He he is mm-hmm. a man among men. And uh, join us in the meantime. Say good night. David. Before you do that, though, Ooh, Book of the Month no. is Monstrous. Book of the Month is Monstrous by Marjorie Liu and Sana Fikeda, if you want to read along with us. You can't interrupt the Say Goodnight, David. I just did. You can't. You did, though. All right. Let me just do it again. Let me just do it again. Uh. Yes. Yes. Monstrous by... Uh, yes. And uh, so that's the next next episode. Say Goodnight. It's not the same. David. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> David. He did it again. He interrupted Relax. twice. Relax. You did. <laughs> you did. You, you did. shit on my front step and then you came around the back and oh. shit on my back stoop. This <laughs> guy smeared all over the doorknob. Good oh God, God, man. Relax. That's awesome. Oh, you did Relax. it. Relax. We did it. Congratulations to us. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week. We love you so much. Join us. In the meantime, go buy some comics, hug a loved one, pet your dog or cat. Just just love stuff. That's all. Just have something stuff. hairy. Yep. Ding dong. It's me. 
You are Harry. That's right. I am. I'm sorry. Say goodnight. Bye. We're out of here. Later. Later.